0: So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Soros wasn't the only new investor we saw come into the space this week, however. A retirement fund in New Zealand is reportedly now a Bitcoin investor. This KiwiSaver fund did not try to get this to press. It was dug up by a local news outlet. My question then is how many more retirement funds or sovereign wealth funds or institutions or insurance companies or some other category of actor has been moving into the Bitcoin space without us even knowing it? Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nexo.io, Casper, and Exodus and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Saturday, March 27th, and that means it's time for the weekly recap. So three things I wanna analyze a little bit more this week. First, I wanna recap the bajillion hearings and times we heard from major US officials. Second, I wanna talk about the shifts in the macro scene. And three, I wanna talk about the institutions that continue to come. First, let's talk about these hearings and Powell and Yellen, There was just so much chatter from the political class this week, and I've spent a lot of airtime on it on this show, so I want to just focus here on what I think are the key highlights. First was Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, calling Bitcoin a substitute for gold. To be clear, this was a dismissive association with gold. This is someone who thinks that gold is a relic of a bygone era, someone whose fiat system totally replaced the need for gold, calling something a substitute for gold. But there are some silver linings in that it suggests to many that the most regulatory ire will not be reserved for Bitcoin. If the US does not believe that Bitcoin constitutes a threat to the dollar, it is much more likely for Bitcoin to continue to grow unabated. On the other hand, it could mean that more regulatory scrutiny will be coming for stablecoins, which are more competitive for that currency status. Second on these highlights is the new Financial Action Task Force cryptocurrency guidelines. As I mentioned on the show where I this. CoinCenter argues that previous FATF guidelines around crypto have been, while egregious in the sense that they really support a surveillance money system, at least we were in line with all of the rest of the traditional financial scene. This seems to change that in a pretty significant way. These new guidelines, they argue, have the potential to radically expand the definition of who or what is a virtual asset service provider. VASPs are the entities that have to participate in AML KYC and when the potential for VASPs to include people who run nodes, it could constitute a major legal threat to the way that P2P networks function. It is simply impossible for most nodes to collect KYC AML information about every other node on the network, every other transaction that flows through their node. So this could be a potentially big deal. Third, on these highlights, we had Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Fed Chair Jerome Powell testify before Congress, and we had a couple times where they discussed digital dollars and central bank digital currencies. On the I guess plus side, Jerome Powell said that any digital dollar should have more privacy than China. Gee, thanks. I'm glad that we're on the same page on that. On the downside, he also went on the record saying that he did not support an anonymous cash-like digital dollar. Janet Yellen agreed that anonymity made AML/KYC issues very difficult. This means that the starting point for our most important leaders is not to look at a digital dollar like a digital cash approximation, but instead yet one more tool for surveillance in the battle against financial crime. And speaking of a digital dollar, the last highlight from the regulatory and CBDC side, we learned this week that we're going to see two prototypes from MIT and the Boston Fed in a couple months for how a digital dollar might be designed by the beginning of the summer. So, in summary, this week affirmed that one, we are headed aggressively and quickly into the central bank digital currency era, two, stablecoins are seen as more of a threat than Bitcoin currently, and three, nasty stablecoin policies can still easily impact Bitcoin as well.
2: Looking for the best way to unlock your crypto's liquidity? Nexo.io is exactly what you need. Borrow against your digital assets at just 5.9% APR. ...earn passive income with yields of up to 12%, and swap between more than 75 market pairs with the instant Nexo Exchange. Try the Nexo Wallet app to get the whole 360 degrees of crypto banking. Get started at nexo.io. Until now, blockchain technology has been a series of compromises. No layer one protocol exists in the market that supports everything enterprises, developers, and consumers need from decentralized applications meet casper casper provides the blockchain ecosystem with a solution that makes no compromises around decentralization security or performance learn more at casper.network hey guys i'm excited to share that this week we have a special product launch sponsor exodus is simplifying how we interact with crypto applications so that we can all reap the benefits of decentralized finance and take ownership of our financial future With the Exodus digital wallet, there's no need to download separate apps or visit multiple websites. Through beautifully designed desktop and mobile applications, Exodus users can secure, manage, and exchange their cryptocurrency in one easy-to-use wallet. With Exodus's non-custodial nature, nothing stands between you and your assets. Take control of your crypto and download Exodus today. Visit the App Store or Google Play to download or visit exodus.com for more information. Next on this
1: weekly recap, let's shift over to the macro scene. The macro environment has been a little bit weird. Markets are trapped in a strange cycle with the Fed where they see things getting better because of the vaccine, where they see signs of inflation that the Fed doesn't want to seem to recognize, and they find it simply unbelievable that the Fed would be able to keep interest rates near the zero bound or continue their asset purchase programs at the level they've been at. In that context, Bitcoin has a bit of a weird place. Markets pricing in inflation is a good thing for Bitcoin, given the hedge against inflation for institutions has been a major, the major macro driver for the last year. At the same time, Bitcoin still falls for many institutions, if not most institutions, in the risk asset category for most allocations. So repricing and move away from risky assets could hit Bitcoin from that price side as well. My feeling in general is that there's a shift in the macro landscape that is going to leave risk on on and is going to leave inflation concerns hot for Bitcoin. We're moving in short from fix-the-problem spending to build-the-future spending. The easiest way to see this is the move from the recent $1.9 trillion stimulus, all about direct payments for COVID relief, supports for states and cities, to a new debate around a $3 trillion stimulus package that is for future-oriented infrastructure spending. Now, let's hold aside whether infrastructure is a good place to spend $3 trillion. I think it's probably a much better place than a lot of the places we spend $3 trillion currently. The point is that the aggressive spending isn't changing, it's increasing. It's just what it's directed towards is different. That's not the only part of the shift, however. The thing that markets keep being unwilling to hear when Powell speaks is that the Fed is obsessed with the full employment side of their mandate. That's what they're focused on. Of course, at the same time, it's not like the Fed has a different toolkit to get employment up. It's the same things. And what that means is there are going to be cantillon effects. Financial institutions and the companies they loan money to and the investors who can afford assets are all closer to the money spigot than the unemployed, which means that they're going to benefit first and more. And of course, a likely byproduct of this is continued asset price inflation. What I believe the Fed is saying is that that is a price they're willing to pay for making sure that everyone who wants a job has a job. The point of all of this is that the narrative of concern around inflation from the economy running hot and staying at the zero bound for interest rates with expanding monetary and fiscal engagement remains. It's just shifting from crisis to new normal mode. Last up on this weekly recap, let's discuss the continued inflow of institutions. I discussed yesterday how coins moving off exchanges suggested dip buying from whales and institutions. I also discussed Fidelity's addition to the ETF application scene. I wanted to wrap this week with a little bit about another actor that has gotten more public about their participation in the space in the last few weeks, which is Soros. Yesterday, a clip from Bloomberg's front row featuring Soros chief investment officer Don Fitzpatrick started to make it around the Twitter sphere.
3: We think the whole infrastructure around crypto is really interesting um and and you know we've been making some investments into that infrastructure and um and and we think that is at an inflection point i'd say it's it's everything from kind of uh exchange asset managers custodians to the mundane like tax reporting on your on on your crypto gains um you know and everything in between But we think we think that's interesting. So when it comes to crypto, generally, I think um, there there are some 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 important. We're at a really important moment in time in that something like Bitcoin might have stayed a fringe asset, but for the fact that you know over the last 12 months we've increased money supply in the U.S. by 25 percent. So there's a real fear of debasing of fiat currencies um, and and when you think about bitcoin i don't think it's a currency i think it's a commodity but it's a commodity that's easily storable it's easily transferable it is the irs classifies it as a physical asset it has a finite amount of supply and that supply halves every 4 years um, so so i think it's i think it's Interesting. And I think, by the way, when you look at gold price action in the context of a a fairly robust inflation narrative of late, it's struggled getting traction. And I think that's because Bitcoin is taking um, some some of its buyer base away.
1: For many, this was the first they'd heard of Soros getting into Bitcoin and the crypto space as a whole. Obviously, Soros is one of the most storied and controversial names in investing, but undeniably an influential one. In truth, the tea leaves have been there for anyone to read. A couple weeks ago, NYDIG announced its $200 million financing round, and Soros Fund Management was among the investors. If you'll remember as well, NYDIG's CEO, Robert Gutman said that none of these investors were just investors. They all had some deeper partnership or engagement with NIDIG around Bitcoin. So far, we've learned about two of those deeper engagements. The CEO of New York Life joined the NYDIG board, and a week later, Morgan Stanley announced three Bitcoin funds available to wealthy clients, one of which was powered by NYDIG. So the question around Soros to me is obviously, what bigger Bitcoin play are they working on? I will obviously be watching this closely. One final note about NYDIG, at Real Vision's crypto gathering this week, their CEO also confirmed that sovereign wealth funds had approached them about Bitcoin although not giving any more details. For many, the sovereign wealth funds are another huge domino to potentially fall, and many think that there probably are allocations beyond just a fund tied to Singapore that we already know about. Soros wasn't the only new investor we saw come into the space this week, however. A retirement fund in New Zealand is reportedly now a Bitcoin investor. New Zealand Fund Management's KiwiSaver Growth Fund has invested 5% of its assets in Bitcoin. The fund has around 244 million USD in assets and began investing in crypto in October. The CIO, James Gregor, said, if you are happy to invest in gold, you can't really discount Bitcoin. Now, this is more than a random fund. This falls under the auspices of the national KiwiSaver program that was created by the New Zealand Labour Party in 2007. I think that there are two important notes about this announcement. First, it's a whole different category. Retirement and pensions funds represent a massive, massive pool of resources globally. Second, this KiwiSaver fund did not try to get this to press. It was dug up by a local news outlet. My question then is how many more like this are out there? How many more retirement funds or sovereign wealth funds or institutions or insurance companies or some other category of actor has been moving into the Bitcoin space without us even knowing it? All in all, I'm feeling pretty good about this weekend, I'm feeling pretty good about where this industry is, and I hope you are as well. Until tomorrow, guys, be safe and take care of each other. Peace. Hey folks, Anambi Levine here. I'm Coindesk's managing editor of podcasts. Would you like to turn your passion for crypto and news into a career? Coindesk Editorial is growing. We're looking for full-time reporters and market analysts who can move quickly and help unpack and explain the nuances of this crazy world we're living in. If that sounds interesting, send us an email at recruiting at coindesk.com. That's recruiting at coindesk.com. And tell them you heard about it on The Breakdown.
3: Thanks for listening.
1: Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com/disclosures for details.